Hello, and welcome to Tales from the Ruther Library, a podcast coming directly from the Walter P. Ruther Library, Wayne State University, in the heart of Detroit, Michigan. My name is Dan Galadner. I'll be your host today. And of course, I'm here with the lovely and talented Troy Eller English. Hi, Troy. Hi, Dan. How are things? Uh, fantastic. So today's podcast, we have a podcast with Bart Billimer, our Alpa archivist, uh, the, airline, uh, the airline pilots. And we're talking about a strike that happened in 1960 through 19, almost, almost two years strike, right? Over More two years. Than... Sorry. Well, now Bart's talking. <laughs> I had to get that in. Bart, Bart, Bart's here. Bart? Hi. There he is. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about here? The Southern Airways strike of 1960. Um, it's a strike that mm, I never heard of before. And it deals with the basic issues that we always come across. Equal pay for equal work. Um, but it's so full of intrigue, right? Right, Troy, there was, there was court cases. Court cases. There is running their own airline. Running their own airline. Which kind of reminds me of when... Um, the, the um, newspaper workers were on strike. They started their own newspaper. Yeah. Not as big as, you know, running your own airline. Uh, government influence. Government shenanigans. And yes. So folks is, and also solidarity with other unions, which is amazing. Solidarity forever. Exactly. Alpa considers this strike the Magna Carta for Alpa and future uh, negotiations. Um, Jim Harper um, who was a pilot for the Southern Airlines, and he was also the chairman of the Memphis Council for Alpa, kind of sums it up really nicely because he said that they basically helped start these airlines. They were, you know, they were paid in script at the very beginning to get these airlines going. And the owner of Southern, you know, this was so animately against unions that when they, when they formed Alpa, he, he would stop talking to some of these friends who helped start this airline for him. And he, he said the pilots helped create it. And, uh, quote, he said, we built that airline, we put our guts into it, but we've gotten nothing out of it if it had not been for ALPA. That's why we pilots should be committed to the labor movement, perhaps more definitely than a plumber or a carpenter. ALPA is known, of course, as an association, but we are part of the labor movement. We have to have a union. End quote. So let's get here from part. Who are you? You're not even going to try, are you? Who? You. About what? Pronounce my last name. Bart. You are Bart the Bart Man. <laughs> Thanks, Danny G. It's good to be here. <laughs> Bart, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Uh, folks, he is the musician behind the wonderful intro and outros that we have. Well, you know, I had a lot of help with uh, garage band loops, but, uh, <laughs> but thanks for that. Um, all right, so, Bart, why don't you give us a quick history of um, ALPA, uh, up to the point of the strike that we're about to talk about. So, ALPA formed officially in 1931. This was during the Great Depression. And pilots at the time were being asked to fly for longer hours and for less pay. So the uniform to protect the rights and interests of the pilots. And at the time, uh, flying was also very unsafe. And so one of the main goals of ALPA has always been to make the, the skies uh, 
safer. And so they've done that over the years. And uh, but at, for this particular strike with Southern Airways in 1960, it was about wages. It was about wages. So why don't you set up the scene for us then uh, about the strike? Why did why, why did it seem that management was hell bent of having a strike? And at the same time, Alpa seemed to be looking at Southern as the place to strike. All right. Well, Southern was a smaller regional carrier, and the founder and president of Southern was his name was Frank Hulse, and he just frankly hated unions. He was staunchly anti-union, and he broke all the other unions at Southern except Alpa. And basically, what was going on was that Southern was claiming that they could only pay pilots a lesser rate than what pilots were being paid nationally by the by the main airlines because they're saying they're a smaller carrier and they couldn't afford it. And Alpa saying, no, you have to pay them the same amount even though you're a smaller carrier. And so that was the main, the main fight there. So Alpa was doing this at Southern in part because they had such a strong union there at the, at the airline. And basically, if Alpa felt if Southern won, then other smaller regional carriers would follow suit and try to pay pilots less or and or break you know break the union. I think they were about to do an equipment change or plane change from the C30s to That's right there was some equ- equipment improvement being done also at the, during that era. So that was another thing that Alpa felt was a reason to pay the pilots more because they have to be trained on this new equipment. Right. So it basically comes down to equal, equal pay equal work type thing. Right. Basic union management fight. Yeah. Right. Um, so pilots uh, withdraw from service this is a unique term used for yes. um, the uh, uh, airline industry, right? Right. That was on June 5th, 1960s when the strike okay. started. Um, it kind of like it went wrong for both sides. Management wanted to squash the union, get it over with quickly, bring in whatever they wanted to, and Alpa, of course, couldn't, you know, did a right. long strike. But um, things went wrong. It seemed to be, and then it lasted. Uh, could you explain the details of what was going on in the, 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 the first couple months? So there are a few things going on there at the beginning. Uh, Frank Hulse, during negotiations, said he wanted to get rid of seniority and also that he wanted to discipline the leaders of the strike. And so Alpa was not happy with that and said they were negotiating in bad faith. But the Civil Aeronautics Board uh, ruled against Alpa. So then Alpa filed an appeal. So, you know, so these things take time. And also what Frank Hulse was doing was he was hi- he immediately went about hiring replacements, which also Alpa was not happy with and said was another sign they're negotiating in, in bad faith. Both parties sued each other. So there was that. And on both sides, money played a role in extending it because Alpa put pretty much everything they had into it. It was $2 million by the end of it, which was the most amount of money they'd ever put into a strike. But it was also revealed during the strike that the government was subsidizing the strike basically for Southern and there was little to no oversight. And so during that time, the government had given Southern $9 million in taxpayer money. The federal government was supporting a company to hire scabs to fight against a union. That's what they were doing. Now, this was during 1960. So this is still during um, uh, Eisenhower administration. And Kennedy was just coming in, right? Right. Okay. 
All right. So what what was the uh, what was happening on the strike? I mean, you, did they from picket lines throughout the South? Did they get support from the AFL-CIO in the South? Uh, what kind of things were happening for ALPA? During they the did get most unions to to support them, um, and except also one right. Except can we name them? Well, okay, the Teamsters. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Teamsters did not. Um, so at the time of the strike, it was sort of a weird time for pilots because a lot of them were being laid off. So there's a lot of unemployed pilots. So of course, Southern first went after those pilots, but Alpa was able to convince nearly all of them not to cross the picket lines, which is a pretty big accomplishment considering pilots needed work. So what Southern did was hire people that had little to no experience flying. And the FAA who were on Hulse's side had little care about vetting these pilots or really they were a lot of them weren't even let's say pilots necessarily um but they could fly but you know sort of in quotes pilots um since they weren't that qualified um and so alpa what they started doing was keeping track of these of these people and one of the it was revealed at one point that one of the pilots wasn't even qualified to be flying and so that was a huge embarrassment to the faa and to southern um so oh there was also a a lot of incidents, as you would imagine, with strike breakers flying these, you know, these pilots that had little to no experience. And so uh, there was one of, um, event where there was a near midair collision with Ooh. a Delta plane. Um, thankfully, there were no fatalities, but, you know, there very easily could have been. So this is getting kind of dangerous now. Right. Seriously. Um, another thing that Alpa did, which I found was amazing at this time, starting their own airline. Yeah, it was called Superior. Yeah. Uh, that was the name of the airline. And yeah, and so they was, it was uh, started to directly compete with Southern. They, they flew the <laughs> same routes and everything. Yeah. So that was where a good chunk of the money went into was to in backing this this airline. That is amazing. Yeah. I can't see that happening today. No. Yeah, that's pretty. It was pretty incredible. Oh, wow. Okay. What was the outcome of the strike? All right, it took two years, right? It took a yeah. It took two years before. Well, what happened was in May of '62. By then, uh, at the cab board, Kennedy had Kennedy was now president, and he appointed someone that was would rule favorably for for labor. So that appeal that I was talking about that Alpa had filed about Hulse negotiating in bad faith it was overturned. So that was announced in May of '62. So, but the formal ruling didn't come until July. And then shortly after that, even though Alpa got the favorable ruling, they filed an appeal so they could get a, a, so they could pick the court that it was going to be, the appeal was going, because they knew Hulse was going to file an appeal anyway. So they just struck first. It was actually just moments before Hulse himself filed, was going to file an appeal. So, so that was one thing that was really shrewd that Alpa did at that time. They also were talking about buying Southern. Now that it was something that had come up earlier in the strike, but at that point they started to seriously consider it. They already owned 22% of, of Southern. And then an investment group came to them and said, we'll, we'll sell you 30%. So that would have taken them over the 50% threshold for control. And when Frank Hulse heard about that and knew that he couldn't probably win the appeal, he gave in. Really? So that was the that was the the end of the strike. So maneuvering in the courts, yeah. uh, favorable um, administration, and yeah. buying stock. Yeah. 
Sneaky ways. Alpo was sneaky. <laughs> that was pretty. That's really I say good. shrewd, but if you shrewd, want to... sneaky. That, no, <laughs> that was that was truly amazing. Um, so so the outcome of the strike did they get? Uh, f- did they get what they were asking for? They did. The and the strike formally ended on September twenty first, nineteen sixty two. So that was twenty seven and a half months after the strike began, and it's still the longest strike that Alpa's ever been through. And they did get what they wanted, and it was also they've used this ruling in subsequent dealings with smaller regional carriers. So it was a really a big deal that they win the strike and and they did. That's excellent. So what was the outcome of Southern? How long did it last after the strike? I believe it merged in the seventies, but I can't I can't say for certain. So it lasted a long time even after the strike. I think so. It was doing well. I think so, yes. Okay. And we get that on record. <laughs> it did not die exactly because exactly. i had to pay the pilots <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. yeah um so what collections here at the ruther library are available for researchers who want to learn more about this one amazing strike that really not many people have heard about right so the georgie e. hopkins papers are dedicated entirely to the strike uh, mr hopkins was the the alpa historian and he did a lot of the research here when he wrote a couple of books on uh, Alpa, they're called Flying the Line 1 and 2, and you can read those online. They're, they're available online for free. And But that collection was given to him by a pilot who was very much involved with uh, lobbying uh, in D.C. during the strike. So there are the Hopkins papers. There are the President Department's papers. Um, uh, Clarence Sayan was the president for uh, most of the strike, but then uh, Charles Ruby took over and he was the one who signed uh, the deal in uh, September of 62. So both of their papers are in there. And then there's also the Clarence Sand Clarence papers, a separate collection. Um, I'd say those are the ones to start with. Excellent. Thanks, Bart. That was very informative. You're welcome, Dan. Tales from the Ruther Library is a production of the Walter P. Ruther Library of Labor and Urban Affairs at Wayne State University, coming to you from the heart of the Cultural Center of Detroit, Michigan. The producers of Tales from the Ruther Library are Dan Glogner and Troy Eller-English. Special assistance from the Ruther Podcast Collective, including Bart Bilmer, Elizabeth Clemens, Megan Courtney, and Paul Neerink. Of course, this podcast could not be done without the research and the support of the entire Ruther Library staff. To learn more about the Ruther Library, or if you have any questions, please visit our website at www.ruther.wayne.edu. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. Well, thanks for coming in today, Dan. Appreciate your efforts. Oh, God. You and your DJ voice. Hey, what's going on? That's right. All right. Let's, let's get to a good going. All right, can we? What? Let's do it, man. All right, man. Let's do this thing. You've been listening to WALT Radio. But the civil aeronautics. Civil aeronautics. Civil aeronautics. Now I'm, no, I'm no. doing <laughs> You got Dan syndrome. I d- civil aeronautics. Aeronautics board. That's a hard word to say. Aeronautics. So is Bart Bilmer. You just did it. Hey, we should end the podcast right now. Ended on on a high note. Okay.
I think I proposed an outtakes episode of just you mispronouncing names. Well, I was about to say the anniversary show will be all the mispronunciations I've done. Let's see how far I've come. You just mispronounced mispronunciation. <laughs> mispronunciation? Because I was about to snot. <laughs> oh, the irony. I just, you know, sit at my desk and then I'll hear snickering as he as Bart listens to the outtakes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so great to get to the end and you always get that payoff. <laughs> you never let me down, Dan. Oh, so many jokes I can't say because you're going to use it. 